It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Our very first Corner of the Galaxy from the Box of 2019 coming to you on January 7th, a Monday with MLS and the LA Galaxy announcing their full schedule for 2019 out today. We're, of course, going to talk about that. We got games by month, games by day, all sorts of fun little breakdowns on that. And we're going to get to talk a whole bunch with Kevin Baxter, who has a whole bunch of updating to do for us over the press conference that was last Thursday with uh, Shkoloto and Dennis DeClosa. Um, and so we're going to touch on a bunch of things that maybe we talked a little bit about on Thursday night, but we're, uh, we got Kevin back, and he is actually visiting us from... Uh, U.S. Men's National Team training down in Chula Vista, California. So, uh, Mr. Kevin Baxter on the road. The Panda is on the road again, Kevin. Uh, how are you feeling there, buddy? I, yeah, I'm so over the holidays. Are we done with the holidays yet? Yes, yes. We are officially done in, in, you know, for a little while, I guess. New Year's Day seems like it was 100 years ago. I think it was just last week. But, you know, the holidays for me basically means I got twice as much work to do with half the help because everyone else is on vacation and I get stuck with their jobs. And then there's no one in the office to help me with my job. And I'm down here, as you mentioned, in Chula Vista covering the U.S. men's national team and writing stories about MLS schedule and then doing the podcast. And it's just it's too much for one panda to do at one time. Uh, I was going to say, I have to tell you a story. I don't know if I got to tell you this or not, but whenever you went to the press conference, I couldn't make the press conference. Everybody knows that. I talked about that on Thursday. Uh, yeah, it's about call priorities, Josh. Yes, I know. Well, big surprise. Uh, paying rent or, uh, or or doing the podcast or, go, or hey, headed to the... You make make your choices. That's right. That's what it is. Uh, sent Larry Morgan not on Twitter there. But anyway, uh, Larry asked a question. You asked the very first question. And so I was watching on the LA Galaxy's YouTube feed, as I do whenever I can't make it. So I was watching... Uh, basically basically everything that was going on from there. And you popped up and on the comments on the side of that, because, you know, people are typing into YouTube and they're typing comments as live things come over. All I see is Panda, 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 Panda. It's Panda, right? And all these people. And I'm sure there were people like, who the heck are they talking about Panda? That's Kevin Baxter. Like this whole thing. So you have a large, the, the Panda is, I think, larger than we think it is. Well, yeah, well, I'm larger than people think I am, too, when they meet me for the first time. And that's where the panda came from. But, you know, that question, by the way, uh, Guillermo didn't really answer it. I know. From now on, I think I'm speaking to him only in Spanish. I tried to be nice and give him a question in English, and I was the first one out of the box. So I was the experiment to find out uh, how his English is. It's going to get better. You know, he lived in, in Columbus for four years. There was nobody that spoke Spanish in Columbus. So I'm sure he, it's it's all there in the recesses of his brain but, you know, he spent the last eight years back in Argentina. Right. So he got back into Spanish. I'm, I'm sure it's going to get better, but it was a little rough right out of the box. He's much better in Spanish. And you know what? Dennis DeClosa is much better in Spanish, too. Yeah. Although I thought DeClosa already had, had taken some steps with us there, Kevin, that I thought he was a lot more descriptive in his uh, in terms of his explanations during that press conference than he was whenever we had him on the conference call. So I think with him is the same thing. You get these guys a little bit used to, uh, you know, answering questions in English a little bit. And I think you're going to get a lot, but I also saw that Tecloso was up there translating uh, for Guillermo Barrascalotto. So somebody yeah. would ask a question, and then there's so I already love that synergy. By the way, that 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 really I enjoy that. That that's something well, that brings and, them closer. And, and Chris Klein's English is coming along as well. <laughs> so but, I heard. 
one of the things you wanted to you talked about an update we'll get one right out of the box dom kinnear dominic kinnear is coming back uh, he will be an assistant on skeletal staff i don't know the rest of the staff i don't know whether his brother is coming with him but i point that out because when you when you see them translating as you just mentioned when you see the close translating for for Barcelona, it's clear that a lot of work is going to be done in spanish especially between those two they're just much more comfortable in spanish and and as their english gets better that may change but you know, Dom is fluent in Spanish as well, or at least he he speaks he speaks Spanish. I'm not sure how comfortable he is right. in it, but uh, I'm sure that must have been a uh, something that they thought of, a factor they they took into account because um, he's going to need to participate in these conversations as well. And I, by the way, I think it was a great uh, thing they did keeping him because uh, Barcelona is coming in very late in the off season. You know, the season's here; the, the camp opens in two weeks. Um, and to have Dominic here, who knows the league, who coached the team last year, knows the players, he is going to be a super-duper invaluable tool uh, for the coaching staff as they get their feet wet uh, and get reintroduced to MLS, and, and for the general manager as well. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I echoed that on Thursday. Is it just makes so much sense, uh, especially in terms of just – that Dominic Kinnear knows every single person on that roster right now and can help and help Scalotto get identified and, and, and comfortable with each of these guys. And the fact that to a man, Kevin, and we've also we've downplayed this when we've needed to, and I think we need to upplay it now because of his retention. But the players really do like Dominic Kinnear. Um, there was a reason that they turned around and played for Dom, you know, after Siggy, Siggy departed there. Um, so it's a. Uh, it's it's a good move, and I think it adds stability or at least transition between the two seasons, something that you, you certainly needed between those. Yeah, and I'm not sure that he's here for a long term. I don't know that he wants to be here long term. I think ideally, I mean, he he didn't get the job in, in two on two occasions. When Ziggy was let go, they didn't promote him uh, full-time. They made him interim, and right. then he interviewed for the job in the offseason, and he didn't get it. So he's kind of been turned down for that job twice. And Dom's a guy with a, a great resume, third winning this coach in MLS history, two MLS Cups back-to-back. Um, and he, he's probably – well, he is. He's much better than just an assistant coach. He should be a head coach somewhere, and I think he probably feels that way too. So I wouldn't expect that he is going to be a permanent uh, assistant coach with the Galaxy. But for the Galaxy, and not you know, still even though Dom out of it for the, just a minute, but for the Galaxy, it, you're right. This is a great – a great hire, and I think it's a transition hire, and I think the coaching staff sort of want, once it gets its legs under itself that they'll be okay and they'll go forward next year without him. But for right now, I think it's a, a necessary uh, hire and a really uh, uh, a very good move by the Galaxy to keep him. Well, I have to ask you, I mean, what did you uh, what did you think of Scalotto? What did you think of, of Dennis DeClosa? This is the first time that the LA Galaxy have put them in a room in front of reporters. Um, so, I mean, what are, what are your initial thoughts on how you see them working together and, and sort of, I don't know, their soccer intelligence. And I don't mean that from that we're supposed to be judging it, but you can, you, talking to these guys, you can usually get a pretty good idea pretty quickly about who's got their head screwed on right and, and who doesn't. Well, the one thing that came away with is that Closa has, the Closa has a plan. Um, and Scalotto is very much of the same mind. And, and one of the big things is how they use young players. And, and we can go back a couple of years and talked about the, you know, talk about the Kurt Onofo experiment when they wanted to use a lot of academy players. That didn't work. The Galaxy made it very clear to me that they have not moved on from that model, that they still want to use the academy as the foundation of everything that happens, the academy, Galaxy 2, all that. They intend to have a pipeline coming from youth development onto the first team. Right. And it makes sense. And clubs all over the world do it, as DeClosa mentioned many times to me when we spoke. 
Um, clubs all over the world do it. That's why you have an academy. Uh, although, you know, MLS is changing. They're starting to sell some of the academy players, and they're trying to use those to generate revenue, and I think you'll see the Galaxy do that as well. But it also is suppo supposed to support the first team. Why have Galaxy 2? Why have an academy why train all these players and spend all the money doing it if they're not going to have a chance to be on the first team? So the Galaxy very much want to do that. Now they have some guys in position that have experience doing that. DeClosa's whole uh, claim to fame is what he's done with national with youth teams, both in Mexico and with Chivas USA here. Um, and in Scalotto, he's found a guy who is of the same mind. Uh, I talked to both of them individually and they basically said the same thing they're both committed to using young players they both feel very strongly that young players have to understand that there is a path open to the first team that doesn't mean everybody gets to go there but the best players play and if the best player is a 21 year old who's on galaxy 2 and he's the best player at that position then he's going to get promoted and he's going to get a chance to play and if he isn't he doesn't get a he doesn't get a discount because he's an academy player he doesn't all of a sudden get promoted so it's a merit system but uh you know the, the players have to understand that that apple is out there for them if they can grab it and in talking to closer he has a plan he has a philosophy he's very confident um, that he's going to be able to implement it here. And I, I just never, I haven't heard that from the Galaxy in the last couple of years. It seemed like the Galaxy, everybody in the front office, coaching staff, even even Ziggy at times, Ziggy had a plan, but it wasn't coming together. It seemed like people there were grasping at straws. Now they have a concrete uh, idea of what they want to do. And again, Scalotto's part of that. You know, when he was with Boca Juniors, that's a major, major club. Uh, and he used, in the last game, uh, that he coached in December, uh, he used six players under the age of 26. Um, right. That's younger than a younger lineup than the Galaxy had most times last year. So he's committed to use young players too. I do feel that there's a plan there. I, I you know, I, I do feel that there's reason for optimism. I, and I don't say the Galaxy are going to uh, compete for the Supporters Shield this year. I don't think they will. I think they're years away from that. But I do think they'll make the playoffs. If they get to the playoffs with a guy like Zalatan, especially with a condensed playoff schedule, they could make a run and make uh, make themselves really dangerous as an opponent. Um, but I do feel like the, the the for the first time in a couple of years that the franchise is headed in the right direction and that they have a plan, and now they just have to work on executing it. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of the big thing, and it's one of those things that whenever you talk to people, and certainly you talk to Siggy Schmidt, and, and he would tell you he had a plan. Uh, I'm sure that whenever Kurt Anolfo was there, you know, they said that they had a plan in, in terms of that, that front office and, and what they wanted to do. But it's one of those things that it's difficult to gauge how realistic that is at just the words. Um, but in this case, hearing Teclosa talk about it and hearing Scalotto, you know, sort of wax on and they seem to be of the same mind on these things, um, it feels more concrete. It feels more real. It also feels like Chris Klein is is maybe a little more at arm's distance with these two than he has on, on some of the other one. Is that maybe a, a correct or an incorrect statement? No, I, I think that's probably correct. I mean, I think they, they, they both have a little bit of work to do. They have to get up to speed. Um, uh, one thing I did get sort of get the impression that, that Chris Klein is going to step back now uh, and not be involved in a lot of the day-to-day -day personal issues, which is what he said. Um, he said that, uh, you know, he wanted to let um, – the GM, and in this case, the close-up, make all the decisions. He said that before he hired him. The idea was the structure was going to be that he was going to make all the decisions. 
uh, with player personnel. Chris Klein mentioned a couple times to me, and Dan Beckerman did too, that they want to get a structure in place, and that's going to be dictated by the new general manager. So I do think you're going to see the front office step away from a lot of the day-to-day decisions. Another thing you know, we haven't talked about is it's been two years since they had an academy director. DeClosa said that now that he has a coach in place and that he's there, they're going to pick an academy director that is of a, a like mind, which makes a lot of sense. You know, They have the same philosophy of how players are promoted, what they have to do to get promoted. Uh, a playing style. They want to have the academy teach players to play in the same aggressive uh, possession-oriented style that Scalotto is going to play with the first team. So when a player comes up, an Efren Alvarez or, or anybody else, when they come up, they're familiar with what the team is trying to do, what the philosophy is. So they need an academy director that believes in that as well. And and the closest said he wants somebody that he is comfortable with, both you know on a personal level as well as on a philosophical and professional level. So that's going to happen. And then the other thing is with Kurt Schmidt, Going to uh, Miami now, the scouting department really doesn't have anybody there, and they're going to have to rebuild the scouting department. And what I found interesting is they intend to rebuild the scouting department with an eye toward South America, Latin America. That's where DeClosa and that's where Scalotto have all of their contacts, all of their expertise. And this is following the model that most other MLS teams have already begun following, which is, you know, Galaxy were the only team that didn't have a Latin American player last year. Uh, in MLS, and you see a lot of the stars coming up, the Diego Rossi's, the Almarones, the Joseph Martinez's. They're coming, uh, they're young South American players that have come to MLS trying to make a name for themselves so that they can get an offer to go to Europe. It's sort of different from the Galaxy model, which has been bring a Robbie Keane or Steven Gerrard or an older player from Europe over at the end of their career. A lot of the, the other teams are bringing young South Americans at the start of their career, and it's changed the personality of the league, I think, and it's been successful for teams like Atlanta United, and it's uh, it's very clear that the Closa knows that and wants to to sort of try to catch up and, and start uh, scouting much more in Latin America than they have in, the Galaxy has in the past. Which, I mean, you and I have commented on a bunch of times that that is a place that they've seen largely ignored and, and we're super comfortable with going to uh, Europe and, and England in order to find some of those guys. And, you know, the value just isn't there. You're going to overpay for a lot of those players. And so, you know, looking to, you know, a Mexico, a Central America, a South American type approach is what, you know, as you said, what the rest of the league is doing. And it's something the Galaxy should have been doing for a long time. I talked on Thursday about Kurt Schmidt uh, going over to uh, to Miami, and and that's you know I said it is a big loss for the Galaxy because I really feel like he was a guy who was ready to implement a scouting plan. But you get Tacloso with his own guys now, um, and certainly Kurt Schmidt uh, taking up the technical director role at, at at Miami makes a whole bunch of sense for him. And as I think I commented on Thursday, it'd probably be difficult for him to stay intact here at the LA Galaxy, uh, being in that building and and having to do all that. So I I think the, I first of all we wished him you know uh, the best of luck in, in Miami um, and I think that Tecloso will be able to really um, he seems to be passionate about building these systems Kevin he seems to be a systems guy he wants to build up the academy system he wants them to all be playing the same direction you know he wants to go and develop the scouting system and, and that's what you need you need somebody who is good at setting these foundations for future growth and understanding what the trends of the league are and either being you know uh, as a leader in those trends are being right on the leading edge uh, certainly with those trends. And so uh, to close to getting in there, getting that, that scouting department fired up, uh, I think the pairing with Scalotto seems like it's going to go great.
great. And you had uh, the LA Galaxy certainly playing up the two of them at the MLS Combine, uh, which ends here on January 9th. Started on the 3rd, will end on the 9th. Uh, you had Teclosa and uh, and Scalotto sitting next to each other, and they had a little video of these guys showing different things. So they're there. Uh, they're conversing with each other. And so, you know, you, they're doing the job there that they need to be doing at Orlando City Stadium for that combine. Of course, all of that leads up to the Super Draft on the 11th. That's coming up on Friday, the MLS Super Draft at uh, McCormick Place in Chicago. So everybody will end the, uh, the, the combine on the 9th and then head up to Chicago for January 11th. Scalotto, uh, Teclosa, it, it might even, you might even see Dominic Kinnear at the table whenever it comes to the technical staff being at the table for the MLS Super Draft. And Kevin, as I've gone over already, the LA Galaxy have six... And I, six draft picks in this year's draft. Um, so a bunch of lower level, uh, the third round is packed with three picks uh, from different things. So it'll be interesting to see how full the LA Galaxy make those picks, whether or not they make those picks, so whether they pass or trade those picks. So uh, a lot of stuff for the Galaxy, because I don't see them get picking up six players in this MLS super draft uh, and then placing those players immediately on the roster, but they have some leeway with that could possibly put them down in LA Galaxy 2 as well. So um, maybe they go after all six picks and, and sort of see what sticks to the wall uh, well, as they throw you, it. You know, see it, it, how the, what the closer looks at, looks at this draft and sees. I mean, he, he like, likes young players. He likes to develop young players. Maybe what he sees is guys who are useful squad players, guys who he really doesn't project to be the first-team players, but guys who will compete in training every day at Galaxy Two and make the first uh, the first team prospects better, it'd be interesting to see what he wants to do. And he may also look at the American College player and just say, "Look, this is not the kind of player that we want. He doesn't fit the profile." The, the closer very much has a profile of the players that he wants. Um, and one thing about him too is is I sort of what you piggybacking on what you said. He's a, a tinkerer. He's a worker. He's a guy who likes to go in. And it kind of guy like gets under the hood of a car and just plays with the engine. That's kind of what I think that he's doing. And he, he was very upfront about that. He said he came to the galaxy because it's a team with big aspirations, big expectations and resources, but that has a lot to do right now. I mentioned to him, look, you need an Academy director. You got a scouting department. He said, that's why I came. Why, why would I want to come to a team where everything's in place? He said, this is a, a, a place where I can come and build the puzzle. I have all the pieces now I just have to find a way to put them together, um, and, and that's what he's going to try to do. So I, I think he's very excited about this. And as far as the, the Latin American thing, which that would be my big doubt uh, uh, on the super draft, the super-duper draft, I think the fact that he likes young players, you could see him taking six players if they're useful. But I, I do think he does want to build through Latin America. And when you look at the successful Galaxy teams, the ones that won three MLS Cups in four years – Yes, they had Robbie Keane and Landon Donovan and David Beckham for a couple of those. But remember, you know, the, the spine of that team, Leonardo, Juninho, Sarvis, Pinedo, they were all uh, Central and South Americans. Uh, so when the Galaxy has been successful, maybe Leonardo wasn't as important to the team as Robbie Keane was or as David Beckham was early on. But I don't know that the team would have been that good without Juninho, Sarvis, Pinedo, uh, and throw Leonardo in there as well. So it's kind of a back to the future thing for the Galaxy in a little way. Yeah. Speaking of Juninho, by the way, the uh, the supporters groups have published the flight at which Juninho is landing on January 14th. So a week from today, Juninho fly into uh, Los Angeles International Airport. I believe his flight lands around 10 p.m. on uh, that night. But head on over to I believe Angel City Brigade published it. You can find the information if you're going to be there right now. Corner of the Galaxy is planning on being. There. I think myself is going, uh, possibly Eric, uh, the Portuguese 
Jada Geese Hammer is going. I tried to convince Kevin to go. He he doesn't want to go uh, to interview Juninho once he gets off his uh, his flight there. Not too many airports in Dude. too short a period of time. <laughs> I was gonna say you you have to you you also have to go to Kansas City this week, like super on Friday, right? So you're you're all over the place. NFL playoffs. You lucky guy, you. All right. Not uh, really. <laughs> I, I understand how that goes. No, I listen. Going back, you're right. I mean. We've talked about it a bunch, I think, here on Kev- Kevin, and it was something that Siggy Schmidt had, had relayed to us, um, specifically to you, is that you know the league's success is really about those those mid range guys, those guys who probably make between you know one hundred and fifty thousand and three hundred and fifty thousand dollars on the payroll. It's you have to get those ones right because they're all under the salary cap. You can't afford to get that wrong and miss on those guys. Um, and so this is this is an important part of building up the LA Galaxy. And if you look at the schedule, which we're certainly going to talk about, Kevin, we talked about a condensed schedule, and it is showing itself in this schedule. There are things really jammed together, uh, with two months in particular having six games each. So a a deeper team is something the Galaxy need to have, and you're going to be playing more guys. This is this is going to be quite a test for I think all MLS teams where depth hasn't necessarily always been the key to success or mandatory for success, I feel that this year, especially the depth and the health of a team is going to really have an influence over how this season goes. Well, yeah. When you look at teams like Atlanta United, who now has CONCACAF champions league and they play on turf, um, you know, and they train in very hot summer weather in Atlanta. I I mean, it, this condensed schedule, um, I, you know, it's great that MLS decided to do this to, to get the playoffs in between the two international breaks. I think that was really important. But, you know, I think at the end of the season, there are going to be some teams that are going to be on fumes. Don't be surprised if you see a team come into the playoffs with a great record and just basically don't show up in the playoffs. Because in building that great record uh, and playing in Champions League games and sending their players off to play in the Gold Cup or other international tournaments, when they get to October with this condensed schedule, there is no place for them to take a breath. And uh, I think you're going to see a lot of teams. And, and maybe this is where, again, the idea of young South American players and the emphasis this there is on young, not so much South American, but young players, you're going to need to have some legs to survive this season. I think it's going to be a lot more grueling than it looks like on paper. Is is there, I know that we, uh, I gave a little update on Emmanuel Boateng. People have been asking about him, obviously, um, you know, something that you and I talked about in terms of he is speed. Uh, he's something that Galaxy need in terms of that speed. If they're not going to keep Ima Boateng, which he has not re-signed yet, um, he's the only out-of-contract guy who hasn't with Dave Romney and Chris Pontius both re-signing with the team. Um, do you, do you, and I said that maybe that has shifted a little bit more towards it looks more possible now. Do you have anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I, I asked Chris Klein about that, and I, I phrased that question almost exactly as you just did. Like, look, this is your lone speed guy. You know, Ari Lasseter is not here, and Bradford Jamison is not probably still not someone you can count on to be there week in and week out, still dealing with the concussions and some other injury things. So, you know, Boateng is the one speed guy. Yeah, you're really deep in the midfield, um, but he he brings something that the team doesn't have. And uh, Chris didn't want to tell me that they were definitely going to sign him, but he clearly uh, was not dismissing that idea either. So I came away, it was kind of a non-committal thing, but what I took away from that is, yes, they'd really like to have him back, as of right now, they anticipate that Boateng will be in training camp, but they don't want to commit to saying that because uh, Chris Klein also admitted that they are going to add a couple of players. He said a couple of players will be coming. Um, it, they will be backline players. He said the, the really weak area right now is the d- 
uh, on defense. They need to add some depth, especially. Uh, so they are going to add two more players. We don't know who they're looking at, and it, it could be that they they're not quite sure whether they're going to need Boateng's money to do that. They don't want to give Boateng the money and then all of a sudden find out that they don't have any. Uh, one thing that the team is happy about is, first of all, uh, apparently the salary figures that everyone's been using for Ashley Cole, according to Chris Klein, are way inflated, that he didn't make anywhere near the 722000 I think it was, that uh, the Players Union lists him at. But in any case, by losing Ashley Cole and Michael Ciani, the team saved about a million dollars. Uh, that they are going to be able to use. Now, obviously, Zlatan got a big raise. Zlatan's salary, by the way, it's confirmed $7.2 million. It's the richest contract and single-year contract in MLS history. The previous richest one was Kaká at $7.167. So Zlatan slightly over that, but right. it is the richest contract in MLS history. You know, it, you know how the salary figures work. That's tabulated a little bit of a different way. Uh, the, some of the money that Ashley and Siani got, uh, you know, had to fit under the cap. So basically, the the Galaxy has about a million dollars that they can spend TAM money uh, under the salary cap and everything else on a couple of players, a couple of defenders, and I think they want to keep Boateng's money in case they need it before they commit to bringing him back. And, and it may influence what he comes back at. I mean, maybe they give him a slight raise. Maybe they do what they did with Ralph Felcher, who took a rather severe cut, about $60,000, but got a very uh, incentive-laden contract. So if he plays every day and, and is productive, uh, he can earn some of that money back. They may try to do something like that with Ima Boateng as well. Yeah, it all makes sense in that. That shows the Galaxy do have a little bit of that flexibility, and we had talked, to spe specifically me, uh, for a while as the Galaxy being cap-tied, so it looks like they've been able to shift enough stuff around uh, that they're going to be able to do something with that money. Um, and it looks like, if, if all is true, defenders is, is really where they need to go with that. And I don't think anybody... I don't think that's some genius move by anybody. Everybody realizes that that's where they need to go. I would expect that there is probably one starting defender at least being added. Um, and then if you look at everything else there possibly is a depth piece at defender as well so it's gonna be interesting to see how that back line comes together because really Kevin when you look at it the LA Galaxy I think had the third highest scoring offense in Major League Soccer last year and um, the fifth worst defense and the fifth worst defense so if they can improve the defense without hurting the offense they have themselves a real a real uh, contender I mean, think about what you just said they're the third highest scoring offense and not not by a lot I mean they were right there mm -hmm. yet they had a goal differential of plus two yeah uh, that is not a good number I, I'm kind of amazed they ended on a positive note whenever you you take into all that account but the galaxy, I mean, you know, they were horrible, horribly defensively, except outside those last, what, seven or eight games and the, the last 45 minutes of the season. Um, you know, so those are all things that they need to get better at. But how they put that together and how Scalotto, who likes to play attacking soccer, who likes to play that attractive and going back to the question that never got answered, Kevin, which was, you know, how do you how does he plan on fixing the defense? I think his real job is to get in there and sort of assess where they're at and to see what pieces they have. And, and quite honestly, you have to look at a guy like Jorgen Shelvick and expect that you're going to get more than what you got last year um, because you're paying him an awful lot of money. And you're going to need some return on that money because he is one of those guys who, quite honestly, you don't want to sit on the bench if you don't have to um, because he costs so much money and he takes so much of your cap space. But, you know, the Galaxy being tied to him through the next year with guys like Perry Kitchen being tied to the Galaxy through next year. I mean, all of these things looking at where these guys are, you're going to need some performances from guys who let you down last year and you're going to need to add some new pieces in my mind. But see, I think this is where Dominic Kinnear comes in because, yes, you're right. I mean, Scalotto is going to come in and he's going to look at the salaries and he's going to look at the pedigree of some of these players. 
Um, you know, and Shelvick is one that you look at him and say, yeah, that guy is, he's making a million dollars. He comes up from a good European club. That guy's my starter. But remember how the season ended. Daniel Starris and Dave Romney were the guys that, that anchored that defense at the end. And I think that's where Dominic needs to step up and say, wait a minute, you better look at these guys. And if the million-dollar guy has to sit on the bench – uh, and we win games, then that's the way it's got to be. And I know you and I have talked about that a lot. Right. The idea of the salary remains the same, but if you start the guy and you lose or you put him on the bench and you win, what's better, more beneficial to your team? Uh, I do think that the, that uh, they do need some help. I mean, if you look at the defense, they have, what, five guys on four starting positions, so they do need depth. They need uh, especially outs- help at outside back, I think. Um, so, yeah, I do expect them to add a couple of guys, but saying that Chelvik is 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 going to be the starter i don't know i mean i think that's something he's going to have to try to earn in camp because the way romney and steris played down the stretch the you know they really made an argument that they should be the starters and the, the other thing about the defense i was talking to one player i won't mention his name because I, I think maybe we were just talking in confidence um it wasn't an interview or anything but i talked to one player about you know guys coming back and and what their salaries were going to be and who's getting raises and all that and his thing was you know, yeah, we probably deserve more money, but you know what? We gave up a lot of goals last year. So that if if you're wondering whether those guys got the message, they all got the message. You know, again, you look at Ross Felcher took a big pay cut. Um, they know they gave up a lot of goals and they knew that they have to do better. And they may look at themselves and say, I had a pretty good season, but as a unit, we gave up too many, too many goals. And so I think I, I think those guys take that personally. Yeah, currently uh, six defenders on the roster. You're off by one, but uh, two of those guys are uh, uh, Hilliard Arce and Hugo Ariano. So I, you know, that's that. I you, those are sort of unknown quantities in terms. So really, you got four uh, on the roster. Whenever you look at guys who are so, who are there, yeah. So let's look at those for just a second. Right. Let's look at those uh, defenders. If you decide that your strongest three defenders. Shelvick and Steris and Romney, and I would say Romney and Steris because of the way they played last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you then go with a three-man backline because that's the kind of attacking style that that Scaletto is going to want to play? And if you have a three-man backline, like you know the the kind of way that Chelsea played a couple of years ago when they had a three-man backline, it it does that play to your strength? You say, look, we really don't have any outside backs, so let's not play any outside backs. I mean, let's just go with a three-man back line. I mean, you have to think, you know, in my mind, I would say that sure, you'd want to do that, uh, possibly, but at the same time, I feel like the Galaxy got just beat over the head with the three-man back line so much, and there's a lack of speed defensively. So whenever they were getting beat and beaten high up the field, they weren't weren't able to chase anybody down, weren't able to make any of those things. So you know. I almost feel that the four-man back line is going to be better and you're going to throw Felcher in there because I feel like he is right now, uh, whether you like him or not, a clear starter at right back. Um, so who's your left back? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I mean, there's I don't have a great answer for you. You can move Shelvick over there if you wanted to try him at left back because um, he has played in that position before and he's left-footed. I don't know if that's great. You can move Dave Romney over and play left back, but you don't have a clear-cut starter. I think the clearest-cut starter is Rolf Felcher only because you know which position he's going to play. Uh, whenever it comes to Steris and Romney and Shelvick, Steris isn't going to play anything but a center back position. So if you're moving anybody, it's probably Romney. Uh, if you're keeping all four of those, if all four of those guys have to play, you're keeping, you know, Steris and moving Romney and putting Shelvick and Steris together and moving Romney out to the left back or moving Shelvick out to the left back and Romney is the other center back. But Romney, uh, because of his versatility, Kevin, is the guy who's going to get moved around the most if they have a hole to fill. Yeah, that's a curse for for, for Dave Romney. He does move around too much. But, man, I would keep those two guys together. Steris and Romney, they have so much chemistry together. If you if you decide that Shelvick needs to play, 
Try him at left back. He can't do a whole lot worse than he did at center back last year. Try him out there. But I think maybe you, you might see them at least think about something like a 3-2-3-2. Three, two, three, two. And I would say um, maybe Perry Kitchen and Juninho as the two holding midfielders. Uh, and then Jonathan in the, in the middle of a three-man midfield with Alessandrini and Leggett on the wings. And yep. then, of course, you're going to have uh, Zlatan and, and, and Ola, who seem to really develop a chemistry up top together. I know they tried that withdrawn striker thing a little bit with Zlatan pushing up and Ola uh, dropping behind him, and that didn't work. Remember who scored the last two goals of the season, Ola Kamara. Right. No, I mean, Ola Kamara had a great season. It'll go, uh, you know, underappreciated from here until history, but if you watched what he did and how he was able to to mesh with Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Unselfish. Uh, it's totally unselfish. I mean, you're talking about Ola Kamara, who is the the future of the LA Galaxy. I mean, realistically, you, you can't pencil Zlatan in past anything past this year now. Uh, maybe there's an extension, maybe there's not. You don't know. You have to see how the season plays out before you do any of that, or at least you have to see the majority of the season play out before you do any of that. So you're looking at Ola Kamara, who signed a three-year deal whenever he was, uh, whenever he he came. He has two years plus an option, uh, as he told us uh, whenever we talked to him at training the uh, the day that we were able to confirm that for everybody. Um, so you look at what they want and and what they what they see from Ola Kamara, and they want him for the long term. Um, so this is a guy who is going to be that guy. Uh, who, who's going to be around even when Zlatan Ibrahimovic, you know, decides to go somewhere else or, or, or finally hang up the boots however he wants to do that. So Ola Kamara is still the future, which is why it's always difficult for me to see trade rumors around Ola Kamara whenever you realize how much the Galaxy are probably banking on him uh, into this future. Yeah, I don't see any trade rumors around him. I, I, I definitely think that's the guy they wanted. That's the guy they targeted. Um, it, it, but however, you have to see how the new coach and the new general manager, how they feel about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, deals, and and we talked about this, Kevin, you know, there were a lot of deals that got done with guys in terms of options declined, options picked, all sorts of stuff without Dennis DeClosa and without Guillermo Veras Coloto. So this year is kind of a mixed bag for them in terms of what they're actually able to do. They're going to have their fingerprints on this team in very limited fashion uh, going into 2019. They may get one or two guys they're able to bring in together, but that's going to be about it because this roster is getting full. I, I mentioned it, 22 players right now. Uh, on the roster uh, from everything that I have. Um, let's see. I think there was one in there. I'm trying to see if I made sure I got all of them. I think I did because the only one I have out of uh, out of contract right now is Boateng. Oh, Servando Carrasco is possibly the 23rd player because we had uh, confirmation or at least we uh, had heard from Jeff Carlisle of ESPN that Servando Carrasco is looking to resign with the LA Galaxy and that that is going to happen. So looking at all that stuff, you're at 23 players now, Kevin. There's realistically you have 28 that you're going to fill. You can go all the way up to 30 if you count two homegrown players in that as well. Uh, so there aren't that many roster spots available still. Uh, and you have draft picks that you're probably going to get one or two of those guys uh, possibly on the senior team. Uh, so the, the roster is getting rather full uh, for the LA Galaxy. Yeah, it is. And, and most of them are midfielders. Yeah, there's a lot of. It's a very heavy midfield. Is that a, is that a a blessing or a curse? Because certainly playing the kind of uh, soccer that Scalotto is going to want to play, everything comes through the midfield. It's very much going to be not an exact replica, of course. No one can replicate Barcelona, but it's going to be a Barcelona, LAFC, Atlanta type style, which uh, you know where those teams are led by midfielders, and uh, you're going to need a lot of midfielders. But you know some of the guys coming back, like I st- I, I, as good as Janino is. He's a few years older than he was last time he was here. He's had injury problems. He's pretty much a holding midfielder, I think. Um, 
you know, if Carrasco comes back, he's a guy that's, you know, maybe in the 18 sometimes, but primarily on the bench. So, you know, you're looking at the same, although that midfield is very heavy, I think you're looking at really three workhorses, it seems to me, Alessandrini, Leggett, and, and Jonathan Dos Santos, if he continues to play the way he did at the end, of, middle of, to the end of last season. And one of the things the Galaxy said, too, is, you know what, no World Cup this year. Right. So we're, we're going to have Jonathan Dos Santos for 28 to 30 games. Which would be a huge bonus. I mean, the way he played down the stretch, he was playing DP Worthy uh, soccer in the center there, and his pairing with Sebastian Legette, which is why I'm very reticent to move away from that, Kevin. Uh, I don't necessarily... I know there's lots of people talking about putting him on the wing, and I, uh, Sebastian Legette on the wing. Um, and I get it, but the combination that those two had in the middle really did turn a whole bunch of games around there towards the end of the season. So, I mean, I think there's a ton of options. I think we're going to see a whole bunch of tinkering by Scalotto in this preseason. And again, the preseason games uh, rapidly approaching as we go. That being said, I still don't think the Galaxy have officially announced when the preseason has started. And Kevin, I, I was floating the dates that the 21st seems like the first on the field day for the yeah. LA Galaxy. I, I still don't know if any of that's confirmed, but that's what no. we're leaning towards, right? Yeah, I think fit, fit, you can pretty much uh, bank on physicals being the 20th, starting the 20th, which is a Sunday, and then the 21st uh, probably being the, the first day on the field. But, you know, going back to the lineup, uh, and, and you look at the way things closed last season, and as good as Jonathan Dos Santos was at the end of the season, playing in the middle sort of as the playmaker. And then, as you mentioned, Sebastian uh, had some success there too. And if you want Boateng because you need the speed, and then, of course, Alessandrini needs to be there. You know, the one guy that doesn't have a position, seems to me, is is Giovanni Dos Santos. Yeah, yep, yep, I know. That's and, and by the way, in any talks that we seem to have about the LA Galaxy roster, and fans do this, and I, I feel like reporters do it as well, we leave Giovanni Dos Santos out of the conversation almost completely because there is such a feeling that he's not going to be here for the beginning of the season that it, it just feels that way. Um, well, I, I mean, I just look at the – so you let's just say you have five attackers, okay? Zalatan, Ola, Alessandrini, Leggett, and Jonathan Dos Santos. Those, those are the, That's the five. Now, you can talk about do you then play uh, a four-man back line and then you, do you have two holding midfielders? How do you do that? Um, but I see those five, and, and I just – you know, the way that they would line up with two up front and then, and then three behind, you know, spreading it out and putting a fourth midfielder in there, where does – where does Gio play? He's yeah. not as good. I, I, I like Legette and Allison Drini on the wings. Gio doesn't go out there. If he plays in the middle, he's going to get in his brother's way. Um, it, it really does seem like the team, I mean, he's an, an incredibly talented player. And when he's on, he's, he's fantastic. I've seen him do some amazing things, especially with the Mexican national team. But I just don't think he's better than any of the players that he would move to the bench if he started. Yeah. And, and not only that, but, you know, uh, to closer, um, I think even Scalotto, but mostly Tocosa talked about, you know, having the right pieces fitting. Um, and, and maybe Chris Klein even said that as well. But but looking at where the pieces fit and and not only getting the right guys, but getting the right guys for the system that they want to play and everything like that. And the Galaxy seem to be developing a system, Kevin. And you see what that system is. And you and I can certainly feel it. And I know the fans can feel it as well. You can see where they're putting pieces and how they're constructing things. And the bottom line is that in order to make those things really work in, in most people's minds... We take Giovanni Dos Santos and put him on a shelf next to the field, and he's just sitting over there because he doesn't fit anywhere. He's a, he's a wrong piece in that system. Well, and you know there has been some rumors. There was one that came out from a Mexican newspaper that that said that Club America had already taken Gio Dos Santos. That was a Dia de los Inocentes joke, which is 
the Mexican version of uh, uh, of April Fools, which doesn't come in April clearly. Um, but that was a joke. That wasn't intended to be taken uh, by anybody seriously. And what the people I've talked to down there say, especially in in regards to Club America, is that they have a couple of youngsters. Yanez and Alvarez that they may sell to Europe. And if they do that, then they may become interested in Gio- Giovanni, certainly not at $6 million. The Galaxy are going to have to pay a lot of money to, get to, to send him there. Um, but that right now, as currently constituted, they really don't have any interest in him, um, is my understanding. They would have to make a couple of moves first, create a hole and that they desperately need to fill. And, you know, they've already started their season down there. So it, it the, the idea of a Mexican team being a smooth transition looks like it may not happen. But then the other thing, don't forget, remember the press conference that Close I had with us, he talked about how he knew the, the Dos Santos brothers, how he was going to have a sort of come-to-Jesus moment with Gio. They were going to sit down and have a talk about his future, what he wanted to do, where he wanted to go. Um, it, it sounded to me, reading between the lines, as if, the close had already decided, like, there's no future for you here. Where would you like to go? Where can we help you go? And then, it, you know, with his contacts in Mexico, you could definitely see him pulling some sort of a move off. But it, you're right. I mean, it does feel like a deal's already been done, even though a deal hasn't been done. It just seems like everyone's speaking about him in the past tense already. Yeah. <laughs> I think Galaxy fans may have been speaking about him in the past tense since the start of last season, or at least the middle of it, that's for sure. Um, only 54 days until the LA Galaxy match against the Chicago Fire, Kevin, as we talked about, uh, the first preseason game coming up on February 9th, uh, versus Toronto FC at Dignity Health Sports Park, DHS Park. Uh, you have the Orange County Great Park on Saturday, February 16th, which is that, uh, that one where, uh, Corner of the Galaxy will be attaching of an, an event before the game around 12 or 1 and still working on final details. Should have that here in the next couple weeks for you. So we'll, uh, we'll let you it's know. The, it's the Great Park. Orange County Great Park, right? Orange County Great Park. That's pretty pretty good park, like above average oh, park. Oh, it is it is fabulous. I mean, they okay. could probably go Orange County Fabulous Park. Um, they, there's a whole bunch of stuff there. That, that really is turning into quite the soccer complex around there. Um, I still think it would have been best as an international airport, but what do I know? Uh, you know, I'm not that smart. Uh, Saturday, February 23rd is the last preseason game uh, right now at 8 p.m. That one also at DHS Park. Uh, LA Galaxy versus Colorado Rapids. So, uh, having said all that, the MLS announced and released the full schedule. Uh, the LA Galaxy following suit right behind. And uh, if you want to, you of course can go to uh, LAGalaxy.com and see that schedule, or you can head over to CornerOfTheGalaxy.com, where I will eventually get my schedule analysis up. Or I imagine Mr. Kevin Baxter also has some schedule analysis that he's done as well over at the LA Times or somewhere else, or it's coming. Uh, maybe it's not coming. I don't know. Um, but anyway, that's where we're at right now. The full schedule is out, all 34 games, and as there normally is, Kevin, uh, there's little things and little bits that we can pull away from this, and so I'll let you uh, you start with your, your very first one, and I should mention the season starts on March 2nd against the Chicago Fire. That was previously released, uh, the last game of the year, uh, last game of the regular season, Sunday, October 6th, uh, vers- or at the Houston Dynamo at BBVA Compass Stadium. That'll be the last game, and you'll, of course, 
remember that last year uh, the LA Galaxy played well into October whenever you're talking about the end of the season there, Kevin. Uh, this year it ends on October 6th. We talked about this uh, condensed schedule, the playoff format changing with the single elimination games and the lower seeds, uh, you know, hosting, uh, uh, traveling to the higher seed stadiums and all single elimination all the way through the entire tournament. So everything wrapping up very quickly. But because of that, there's schedule congestion or at least a condensed schedule in many areas. So I'll let you start. Just what fun facts uh, do you have about the schedule that you would like to uh, point out first? Well, one thing I think that the Galaxy and AEG are going to push back on, but it, it's very apparent to me now that I'm a moonlight, uh, moonlighting NFL writer that the NFL schedules uh, have an impact on the Galaxy schedule. Seems to me the the Galaxy will start in the spring when there is no football there. They you know obviously share the former StubHub with the Chargers, so the Galaxy get, uh, it's kind of a front loaded schedule. They play six of their first nine games at home. It looks to me uh, that they're trying to get those out of the way so that when the football season starts and the exhibition games start to come, that the Galaxy are, are not playing there every week. Um, and more evidence of that is the fact that the Galaxy in late summer have a lot of road trips. And, and, and there's a mid-August streak of three games in six days that includes a cross-country trip to D.C. United. Uh, so that's not helpful. Then they have a September period of five games in 17 days. Um, so it, it's a front-loaded schedule. They play a lot of games at home early. Um, then in the summer, they're gone when, when you know, the Chargers are going to be sharing the stadium. So I do think the NFL schedule has had an effect on that, and, and maybe not so much just the dates. Like, you know, the, the Galaxy play a lot of Saturday games, and the NFL games typically on Sunday. So that's not really a conflict. But it is when you look at the wear and tear on the field. Perhaps this is a reaction to some players on both teams saying, you know, the field's not as good as it used to be when we play games back to back. Is there a way that we can change the schedule to make sure that doesn't happen? Yeah, I was going to say the uh, the longest home streak for the L.A. Galaxy is three games. Um, that happens on Thursday, July 4th, Friday, July 12th, Friday, July 19th. That includes Toronto. Right, right before the Chargers come. Yep, Toronto FC, San Jose Earthquakes, LAFC. Um, so those are sort of important dates there. You mentioned, Kevin, whenever we were talking, six of nine at home to start, uh, six of nine on the road after that. So you look at just the Galaxy starting their first nine games and you say, OK, the Galaxy really need to start fast because they have those six home games um, at home and because then they go into a stretch where six of the next nine are on the road. So um, looking at those and, and sort of going back and forth, I think that May, as you've highlighted there, uh, there a little bit there, Kevin, is absolutely the hardest month that they're going to have. Not only is it a six game month, uh, you know, you go Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday, Friday, Wednesday. Um, throughout the course of May, uh, it includes that that road trip from New York Red Bulls and then a midweek game um, in Columbus. So that's probably a, a, a trip they're staying out there for. But when you look at it, that is their hardest one. They have two home games and four away games out of the six games that they have. And if you want to, you can sort of throw that against uh, September where they have three home games, three away games, another six game um, end, and that's leading up to the end of the season. So you're looking at a really tough crunch for the LA Galaxy in September where they're going to play Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday. I mean, these games are coming fast and furious in terms of, uh, of where they sit and, and where they land. Um, and what, what kind of fields are we playing on, Josh? Oh, oh, see, and I have that too. So the LA Galaxy will play five turf fields this year. 
Including back-to-back. Including a back-to-back, which is July 27th, the Portland Timbers at Providence Park. That is turf currently. Uh, And then it will be uh, away the next weekend. It is a Saturday and a Saturday. But it will be away to Atlanta United, a game which is broadcast on Big Fox, FOX Fox, uh, at Mercedes-Benz Stadium on turf. So if you're looking and you're counting on Zlatan Ibrahimovic and whether or not he plays on turf or not, there are five games. Uh, BC plays for Vancouver. Uh, Nippert Stadium, which is where SC Cincinnati will play as a turf field. Uh, Portland Timbers, Atlanta United, as I mentioned, and then Seattle Sounders on September 1st. But the good news is, out of all that, Kevin, is the last one, two, three, four, five, six games of the season are all on grass, and so Zlatan should be available and ready for those as you look at these. So there are five games, so of the 34-game schedule, if you're going to say Zlatan isn't playing on turf at all, Kevin, uh, then he is going to only play 29 games this year. And July 19th, home with the LAFC, and then the uh, second leg of the, uh, what are we calling it again? The El Trafico. El Trafico, yep. Mm-hmm. It's August 21st at Bank of California Stadium. August 25th. I have 25th. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, 25th. 25th. Right. yeah. So Sunday. yeah, one of the, one of those. Yeah. So it's a Sunday uh, days of the week. People made a, you know, a big deal about this. I'll tell you right now uh, in terms of days of the week, the home games actually, I thought were, were pretty good. 12 of the 17 home games this year at dignity health sports park are on either Saturday or Sunday. Um, if you want to extend that to Friday, 15 of 17 home games are Friday through Sunday. So there's only two games. Uh, that is a Wednesday game at home versus FC Dallas on August 14th. Um, and there is a home game on July 4th. And by the way, the, the first schedule that came out, I guess Kevin was missing a, the July 4th game or it wasn't showing up on mobile that there was no July 4th game. Uh, there is a July 4th game. It is against Toronto FC. So that'll be 24 years in a row now that the LA Galaxy will host a July 4th game. So. You're really good at this Dignity Health Sports Park, by the way. I keep, I'm, I'm sure. still struggling with that. First of all, I think it's a dumb name. Yeah, yeah. And second of all, I, I don't understand what it means, and it's just a lot of words. It, it feels that way. You, you could go to DHS Park if you feel better. Yeah, I mean, maybe that would be better. It's a lot less words. I mean, it's just too many words. It, it is too many words. All right. StubHub. is, it's, it's, And stubby. they even put StubHub together to make it one word. It was that so, was awesome. It was so, word-wise, it, it didn't help you grow your article. I mean, Dignity Health Sports Park is what, three or four words now? That's There you go. See, I'm, I'm helping you out. Uh, the, the days of the week are, are interesting. The Wednesday games, as we talked about, the Thursday games, um, all of those things, you know, sort of fit in. And I really feel like the Galaxy, this feels like a pr- fairly balanced schedule overall. Uh, whenever well, you look at they, it. What if they have five Eastern Conference teams at home and six on the road? So that, that means more travel. That means more travel, and it's it's more difficult. I mean, just anytime you go on the road, that's tough. And then an Eastern Conference opponent usually means you're traveling further as well. So that, that also hits you as well. So having that imbalance isn't in the team's favor right now. Yeah, I remember like the first it. Eastern Conference team you get to, right, is, is Cincinnati-Chicago. I mean, that's two-thirds of the way across the country. Um, the Western Conference spans a much larger area. So when you go to the Eastern Conference, you're going pretty far. And the other thing is they played LAFC three times. I, I know it's a minor thing, but they played them three times last year. They played them they played them two times. So that's a, a, kind of basically an extra home game that you lose, an extra game where you sleep in your own bed and you stay in Los Angeles. You're going to lose that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, no, that is that is one of those things that, that happen. And that's because FC Cincinnati comes in and it equals out the conferences 12 and 12 uh, in terms of how they're both looking now. Uh, if you look at, let's see, the San Jose Earthquakes is one of the games we always want to talk about. That one is on Friday, July 12th. 
um, at DHS Park, and then the return of that, if I can find the other one. Oh, excuse me. The first one is June 29th at San Jose Earthquakes. Uh, they're going to play that one at Stanford Stadium, as they always do right before July 4th, so a, a complete, uh, quick stretch of games that will lead into July 4th and then go to July 12th. So you're going to play San Jose twice, Kevin, basically in 13 days or 14 days. Yeah, matchup of two uh Argentine coaches too. Yeah, yeah, Boca Juniors and River too. So you yeah. you have you have that rivalry that's going to extend itself between uh, Almeida and uh, and uh, Guillermo Barrascoloto as well. So um, that's certainly going to happen. Uh, the Atlanta United game is big one because it's on turf and two because it's on Fox. But Zlatan's probably not going to play that way. If you think about it, uh, the DC United game, which happens right after that, that's a three game road trip and that is the longest road trip that the Galaxy have. They do it twice. Uh, the Portland Atlanta DC United game and then LA. FC, which is an, a, a road game, so you know the second three-game road trip is a little bit softer than the other ones. Uh, LAFC, Seattle Sounders, and Colorado Rapids, and that happens August 25th through September 12th. But you know that July 27th to August 11th, they're going to come home after each of those games. They're not going to go from Portland to Atlanta. They're going to go Portland, come home right. to Dignity Health Sports Park training Good. complex, and then yep. they'll fly to Atlanta. Then they'll come home because they got eight days until the next game with DC United. I, I don't expect they're going to stay on the East Coast for eight days, especially not when Zlatan made uh, a lot of noise about them going on the road a day ahead of road games. They're not going to stay out there seven days ahead of a road game. That's going to be interesting. I actually look at that as one of those uh, one of the things that we can keep track of this year and, and pay attention to of how much influence Zlatan Ibrahimovic has and, and what kind of page he's on with the rest of the training staff and whether or not – I mean – Kevin, you and I have seen it for years in terms of how the Galaxy travel and how they go to further games and how they have to get there sometimes two days ahead because of flights and everything else. So it'll be really interesting to see if Zlatan has enough pool, Kevin, to actually get this sort of shift in how they travel and how they go. Well, you just brought up the big point, though. I mean, it, it maybe doesn't it doesn't seem to affect the Galaxy as much, although they have had the uh, delayed flights. But other teams have had flights actually canceled by weather where they if they wanted to fly on a Friday to, to play a Saturday game and they couldn't do it so they had to fly the morning of the game Vancouver's done that DC United's done that Montreal has done that um, that is something that I think a lot of MLS teams are starting to factor in now look we we need to fly a day ahead of time because if we run into flight problems we don't want to fly overnight and get there exhausted so we'd rather have the ability to just say go home and come back and we'll try this again tomorrow um, Zlatan never had that. I mean, AC Milan, Real Madrid, and Manchester United, trust me, they do not fly southwest. Right. Um, so they didn't have to worry about that. This is a whole new thing, and I, I don't know whether that factored into uh, Zlatan's ire at this whole thing that they have to fly a day ahead of time because they, they're not in control of the flight schedule. Well, I, I think I went over it, but I'll, I'll do it again real quick. Uh, Wednesday has five games, and again, four away, one home. Thursday has uh, one home, one away. Friday has five games that they'll play on. Uh, that's away two, home for three. Saturday has 13 games, seven at home, six away. Uh, and then Sunday has nine, so home for five of those, away for four of those. The big deal... I think, Kevin, and I would also, I'll, I'll throw my own opinion on this as well. The LA Galaxy have 15 nationally televised games this season. Uh, so almost half of their uh, entire, all of their games will be televised. Um, ESPN has three of those. ESPN 2 has two games. Fox, Big Fox, FOX has that one we talked about in Atlanta. Uh, FS1 has five games they're broadcasting. Uh, Univision is one game, and Unamas is three with uh, two home and one away. So you look at that, I would have to imagine that for a team that seems to get lackluster 
local coverage from Spectrum, and we've talked about sort of the uh, the decline of that deal and sort and how much the programming really has sort of shifted away from the galaxy and just the the details and the attentions they paid to it in the latter stages of this contract, which I think expire in twenty twenty one. If I remember yeah. correctly, it, off off the top of my head, you look at that. I have to imagine that Spectrum was it was not uh, worried about giving up fifteen games uh, this season to uh, to give them to uh, these national te- nationally televised no, uh, partners. I, they were more disappointed in having to televise nineteen games. By the <laughs> way, the Galaxy with the, uh, that number of uh, nationally televised games, they're third in MLS. Um, Atlanta United has seventeen, and LAFC has sixteen nationally televised games. So, uh, so hitting the uh, the big club there on the East Coast with Atlanta United, hitting the big club there on the West Coast uh, with the LA Galaxy, and throwing in that other club. I'm sure that you get criticized of being a homer of uh, constantly never heard of it never heard of it okay good that's how it works uh okay so i mean that's really it for the schedule and, and where you go i think the turf games is interesting i think the eastern conference western conference uh sort of stuff is interesting the galaxy will play three eastern conference opponents in a row with new york red bulls columbus crew on the road and then new york city fc back at home um i think that's a difficult stretch for them so just just some interest just some fun things that you but can sort of look he- at you know, you brought up the other point about the, the Portland United, Atlanta United game. And, and I think maybe Zlatan goes to Portland uh, because he's coming off a, a, a series of three straight home games. Um, the Portland turf is not as bad as in some other places. And then, so I think maybe he plays Portland and then skips the game at Mercedes-Benz because there's a cross-country flight involved. And then they fly back to D.C. United. I mean, you can factor in a lot of reasons there. More interesting to me uh, would be September 1st at Century League Field. I don't think there's any way he plays there. Then there's 11 days off before they go to Colorado. And I wonder, is Zlatan going to go play at altitude? I guess it'll depend on where the Galaxy are in the playoff race at that point. Oh, interesting. Uh, I also did a breakdown on Twitter, if you've seen it, uh, games by time. Uh, in terms of you know when that is, and that's always been sort of a, a, a big deal for for the Galaxy. And these are only home games because you know where they start on the road probably doesn't affect people as much. But uh, the one Wednesday game they play at seven thirty. The one Thursday game is at seven thirty. Uh, Friday games go seven seven thirty and eight p.m. Uh, for those three games that they play at home on a Friday. Uh, they play seven times at home on a Saturday, and it ranges from one p.m., five p.m., seven p.m., and then four times at seven thirty p.m. So the majority at seven thirty p.m. Um, but the other ones range anywhere from one, five, and seven. Uh, so that sort of shifts things around. And then Sunday, always interesting. Uh, they play five times at home. So 4.30 p.m., 5 p.m. times two, uh, 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. All they right. do not care about deadlines, do they? they? They don't care about deadlines. They don't care about traffic. Come on now. Um, so anyway, it's, it's just, again, you can sort of chop this schedule into like a million different ways. And, you know, my next thing to do is like figure out distance to each one. Um, so that way you can sort of figure out the quote unquote travel distance the galaxy will be making. Um, yeah, you have way too much time on your hands. I have zero time on my hands. I just spend all of that zero time doing charts and graphs and stuff. It's the, it's the new season, Kevin. I'm pumped up. It's time to, it's time to go. It's 2019. This is our first, first uh, podcast of 2019. Years and I, years of mine. So I didn't even get to wish you a happy new year because we've both been like running on fumes the last couple of uh, couple of weeks. 
New Year already? Yeah, that happened already. You missed it. Yeah, it. I missed it. I'm so past the holiday. By the way, that uh, August 25th road trip is about 13 miles up the freeway to Bank of California. Thank you for that. Appreciate that. That was good. But that one I know. So you can just write that down when you do your chart. I'll, I'll do that for sure. Uh, let's go to some uh, listener questions before we close out this particular podcast. Um, let's see. Alonzo asked us any updates on Geo and our defense. I think we pretty much covered that one. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll leave that one in the podcast there. Uh, so John writes in. I like this because, of course, he, he calls you out, so I was like that enjoyed it. He says, I enjoyed uh, Kevin's story yesterday, but the quote about the DPs, what's that, what that's going to look like, we genuinely don't know yet. Seems like a little BS, at least worrisome. They signed a fourth DP for over $7 million and don't have plans A, B, and C at the ready. Uh, do we think they have a plan in mind for getting rid of or getting that fourth designated player to be a third DP, Kevin? Yeah, well, we know they have a plan, and... and um, it- Chris's quote was, you know, we'll see how that works out. And, and, uh, um, um, holy cow. I'm already, oh, the close heart said something uh, along those lines that said that will become more clear in the, in the next few weeks. So yeah, they do have a plan. Um, they would not have signed it, but what both men told me is they would not have signed a lot onto that contract if they didn't, if they weren't absolutely sure and confident that they could uh, create that DP spot. They wouldn't have done that. They wouldn't have embarrassed themselves and they would not have embarrassed a lot ton. And they would not have, you know, uh, closed off his potential deal to go to Europe and AC Milan most likely. Um, so they do have a plan. I, I think they're keeping it very close to the vest because I think probably one thing they want to do is make sure that nothing materializes. Let's just say for the sake of argument, and I don't know who they're thinking of moving. Right. I, I would guess Geo, but I don't know that. But let's just say that the, the guy that they decided to move is Alessandrini, and he's a guy they would clearly want to keep. But what if someone at the last minute, what if someone just says, oh, Club America says, we did move those two young guys to Europe. We really want Geo now. Could you please trade him to us? Well, what if they've already announced to me and you and the entire world that Alessandrini is going to Montreal and now they have to backtrack, you know, right. it embarrasses Alessandrini and embarrasses themselves. Um, so I, I think they have a plan. I think they're waiting for all the T's to be uh, crossed and the I's to be dotted and then they'll announce that, but they would not be this far down the road if they hadn't had a plan. They, I don't think they would have ever committed to Zalatan if they didn't know for sure that they were going to be able to create that spot. So yeah, they know it's a little bit, not necessarily smoke and mirrors, but they don't want to announce what they're going to do until they're absolutely sure that that's the move they're going to make. Yeah. Um, Optimus Prime uh, 24 asks, will Spectrum still televise the games this upcoming season? Yes, all the nationally televised games should still be uh, broadcast by Spectrum. You had, uh, Kevin, you actually had an update on Alessandrini because there were rumors about him going to Parma, and I would love for you to share that with uh, with everybody before we leave. Yeah, basically, I asked his agent about that, and the agent said, yeah, we're talking. We are talking right now. He said the Galaxy had promised to give Alessandrini an extension, uh, and they've slow walked that. They haven't committed to giving him that extension, so it's in our best interest to start taking a look around. Now, um, I, I believe this uh, Alessandrini is signed through the end of the season, so I don't know that. I mean, if he decided to move uh, and to go to Parma, I, I suppose the Galaxy, I don't know what they would do. I suppose they would probably let him go. That would be my guess. But the other part of it is when I heard that, my first thought was, that could really be a blessing in disguise for the Galaxy because if they haven't, uh, if they aren't sure what they're going to do to create that DP spot, what if they went to Alice Drew and said, you want a contract extension? Fine. We'll extend you two years and we'll give you X million dollars, but we're going to break it down a different way so that the first year of this, of this contract, you are not a DP. That way you stay on the team, you get your extension, you get your X number of million dollars you're going to get anyways, 
everybody's whole, but we've created a DP spot for uh, Salaton by doing that. And I'm wondering if this idea of you guys want a contract extension? Okay, here's your contract extension. And this works for everybody. I mean, that could be a possibility too. Yeah, we, we've speculated on, on that for a while. I, I still feel like the LA Galaxy are acting like they're keeping him. Um, they've nothing in anything that I've anybody, anything or anybody I've talked to has led me to believe that the galaxy want to move, uh, you know, Roman Alessandrini. I'm not saying they could, they won't get to that point, but right now it feels like they are planning on him and the way the team is being constructed. Quite honestly, it feels like they're expecting Roman Alessandrini to be that right wing. Yeah. He's a key part in that kind of uh, offense that Scloto wants to pay. And the other thing is, is both Klein and DeClose in talking to me, now, whether they're doing it, whether it's a, a strategy and they're really trying to plant the seed or whether they're just simply speaking very honestly, but they talked to me and said, you know, the offense looks good with Alessandrini here and DeClosa says Alessandrini is a very good player and Chris Klein talks about how valuable he is. So it's not one of those things where they're saying if he's back. I mean, if if there's been doubt about anybody, if of the three designated players, if there's anyone whose name has been mentioned in a sort of tentative way it's it's geos right you know they, they seem very committed to jonathan they seem very committed to alessandrini geo's the one that's always kind of we're going to talk to him about his future you don't hear them saying that about either of the other two guys yeah certainly uh certainly feels that way all right i i think that about does it i think we got through our our first corner of the galaxy from the box of 2019 by the way i got asked so many times recently what the difference is between corner of the galaxy from the box and what the difference is between corner of the galaxy and so just briefly, Corner of the Galaxy from the box features, obviously, Mr. Kevin Baxter as... as and our, it's inside the 18-yard box. Yeah, it, inside the 18-yard box, inside the press box also. That's Whoa. that's why... Yeah, I know. This, this is multiple levels here. I really thought this through. So whenever you hear Corner of the Galaxy from the box, you're going to get more of the news side of things. Obviously, with Kevin, uh, Kevin's background and my covering the team for as long as you have, you're going to get more of the news side. When we go to Corner of the Galaxy, you get a little bit more opinion, um, and we also get you know co-hosts who, who are fans. Um, but see, Corner of the Galaxy from the box, it's like you're taking a present out of the box. Sure. And we're in the box and we're coming out and we're a big present and you opened us up and then there we are. I feel I feel dirty for some reason now <laughs> and I don't know why. It's I, the holiday season. I, we're yeah. coming out of the box. Okay. Sure, if that's a new way to look at it. But anyway, we had a really successful 2018. Uh, thanks in large part to Mr. Kevin Baxter. Give, panda dedicating Factor. The, the, pan, the Panda Factor, giving a, us a whole bunch of his time. And by the way, uh, I have decided to give Kevin a pay raise, so he will get quadruple what he made last year. Uh, wow. so, so four times zero. Four times zero uh, is actually, but no, Kevin does a great job. So we're uh, we're very and extremely lucky to have him on this podcast. And the reason it has grown so much is because of his dedication to coming on the podcast, even when he's ridiculously busy. And he took a he took the microphone to Russia last year. Let's not forget that, and let's not underplay that. Uh, and he travels around with it like it's his best friend. So he puts it in the in the passenger seat and uses the carpool lanes. Uh, yeah, Russian TSA people were not happy with the microphone. I, I got stopped multiple times. You you lucky guy, you. You are American spy. Yes, of course. And you use a giant microphone that's the size of your head in order to do it. That yeah. seems... Well, they, seem, they, they, I guess in, in Russia, that's that's kind of like a, a clandestine microphone. I, maybe it is. Maybe it is. All right. Uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at KBaxter11. And of course, head on over to LATimes.com for all of his coverage of soccer around the United States, including the LA Galaxy, LAFC, U.S. Men's National Team, U.S. Women's National Team, U.S. Women's National Team, and a World Cup year coming to France very shortly. So uh, Kevin, of course, will be on top of all that. Make sure you follow him there at LATimes.com. 
you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at Jay Guessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com where you can get all of our podcasts, all of our articles, all of our news, all that fun stuff. Do that right there, cornerofthegalaxy.com. All right, Mr. Kevin Baxter and I are back for 2019. Glad to have you. The preseason starts very shortly, and we'll be right here to cover it for you. So for Mr. Kevin Baxter, I'm Josh Guessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.